Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. This is RP's voice. You're hearing Reese is back in the house. And the usual suspects are also here. Country Club Kobe, how are we feeling yep. this evening? Great. Good. That's what we like to hear. And then soon-to-be debt payers slash soon-to-be in the arena there in Dallas. DK Dankwagers, how are we feeling today? Iso, boha. Danny, so before we get into recap, how did you do last week? Plus, minus, green, red, purple? Another green week to keep the streak alive. I think it was around four units positive. Um, my only miss was a, a, a really early Mason Jones line that I, I got so much line movement in, wow. in the right yeah. direction and and – positive ev and and we'll, that's we'll how it get, happens though we'll get to that too because i have a question around mason jones on the recap and then myself i published my plays finally my lazy bitch ass and i went plus 3.1 units as well so it we don't kid when we say pay to listen and that's just proven yet again so let's break down or recap quickly here so on the agenda days we're going to do uh recap News and notes, and then uh, predictions or a look ahead to this week's uh, pay-per-view card. And then Danny's also going to pay some alert shots in between. We'll talk a little bit about – and the, the alert shots will be on TikTok, and then we'll talk a little bit about Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, starting it off, though, Dan, was Nicholas Dalby versus Claudio Silva. And even though I wasn't here, I listened in to the podcast, and it was interesting to hear your breakdown of this one because for me – I taped this one and I had nothing to say about it. This was the most, like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Dolby ends up pulling it off. I don't know if there's even anything really much to add on that one, to be honest. It was just a whatever fight. Yeah, and, and there were a couple of whatever fights. Obviously, whenever they're in London, and we learned in, in March this year, it gets rowdy. The crowd is really into it. The, the fighters are living off of it. And obviously, not every event can be as great as that first USC London was. Um, but it, it, it was still an awesome night and we did get some good finishes too. I know there was a lot of decisions, but yeah, um, there were, there were later in the night and one of them's an ankle picker himself. So Kobe, do you have, and I hoped I didn't put you on the spot, but do you have women's dog numbers because Victoria, Leonardo, Victoria Leonardo came in. It was she was a dog, uh, a slight dog closing plus what one plus one ten ish. Yeah, close to even. Yeah, Open we up. went one and one this week. We'll get to obviously uh, Meatball Molly who. But again, at, at, so and and there's two asterisks to that. Is a one and one is always plus because we're taking dogs. Right. And B, we were talking about that range that if the favorites over plus three minus three fifty. All right, so I've got both those numbers. Okay. I think okay. I specifically mentioned last week that I, I wanted to overwrite that for the meatball Molly. I thought that the line was just I, I was back. with you, Dan. I actually I actually placed that track that in 0.25. Well, one way or another, for the numbers, we are up 19.45 units on women every women's dog fight all year. 
Okay. If you put the minus 350 rule into effect where we're just looking at numbers and not have any kind of qualifiers or anything, we're up 69.45 units in 2022. Wow. Minus 350 qualifier. There's been 10 women's favorites at minus 350 or higher. And if you stay out, stay away from those dogs. You're up 70 units almost. You're up 6.9K at $100 units on women's dogs uh, less than minus 350. So Victoria Leonardo came in to keep that rolling. Um, Jai Herbert, Kyle Nelson, nothing to write home about. Just a striking performance once you name this decision. Okay, Muhammad Makayev, I took the over two and a half here, Dan. I loved it. It was like my favorite bet of the card because you touched on it last week. Charles Johnson ain't no joke. I mean, he's a three-time uh, LFA champion, defended his belt three times. And Muhammad Makayev, people forget he's what, 21 years old? I mean – it's hard to put people away, especially a guy like, uh, like Charles Johnson. So it was a coming out party for Charles Johnson as far as like welcoming him to the UFC. And then I think, I mean, I want to hear your opinion on, on the Muhammad Makayev performance because it was dominant. It was dominant, although he didn't get the finish. Is this guy the true, true, real deal, even at 21? I think he is the true, true, real deal. Um, obviously we're going to keep on kind of having to pick our spots just because like you said, he's, he's really young, he's really green, but man, is every single skill there. And like you said, Charles Johnson, no joke. It even shows a lot to, to do what Muhammad did and what 15 minutes of control. It, Pretty was, much. It a, a, was it a flyweight record for takedowns landed? It might have been it a was. UFC record. I know he got is, double digits. I know it's at least flyweight. No, I know Habib got 20 one time, but it yeah, was a probably right. flyweight record. But it was a phenomenal performance, and I hope people don't overlook it because it's a newcomer, because Charles Johnson really is the real deal. So the over two and a half hit for me, which was amazing, and then Makayev continues his, his slow grind to the title. Our boy. If you, if you are a listener to this podcast, you're familiar with this man. Jonathan Pierce did exactly what he always says he's going to do. He came in there, finished Makwan Amirakani via KO, TKO. It was – there were some really good scrambles where it was 50-50 positions that Pierce got. Pierce looked a lot bigger in there. He looks huge for 45, like ginormous. Um, but I also think Makwan is a little washed, Dan. I thought this one was going to be closer than it was. I love Jonathan Pierce. I knew he was, I thought he was going to come out on top. But I thought Makwan would make it a little bit more of a dogfight than he did. I was surprised a tiny, tiny bit by JSP's uh, game plan. And I think it just shows how confident he is, how, yeah. how sure he is of himself. But, um, yeah, he went right to the danger zone with Makwan and just shut him up. He shut him up indeed. And, and I think as much as I hate to say this, I don't know if this is like a, a crazy prediction or just because he is still fighting elite talent. But – I think this might be the last of Maquan or maybe one more, maybe one more because he's really struggled as of recently losing to Edson Barbosa, Camuela uh, Kirk, Lerone Murphy, which again, that's not a bad loss, but he dropped it anyways. And Jonathan Pierce, his only win being that of Mike Brundy. So I don't know. I mean, I know he's the real question is yeah. JSP on a four fight win streak since his debut against Joe Lozon. Is he getting a ranked fighter next? He's right on the fringe. It's either a ranked fighter here or, or he's, or he's like in that top 20 and then he's looking, I mean, uh, tapology currently has him ranked 32, but that's against all promotions. So he's gotta be top, you know, 25, you would think in the UFC. Um, and, and recapping our boy really quickly, 
Uh, Kai Kamaka TKO. Omar Morales rear naked choke. Christian Rodriguez unanimous decision, who was undefeated at the time, and now Maquan TKO. Jonathan Pierce is really, really making a run at this, which we love to see. Obviously, both and him really, and really helping the pocketbook 50k bonus performance of the night for JSP. Very, very well deserved as well. To do what he did to a guy like Maquan is not an easy feat. Nathaniel Wood looked the best I've ever seen him look. Uh, it is against Charles Rosa, though. So, yeah, know. this was one that, I mean, I, I had a parlay here that might have been one of the best bets I've ever made. It was these next two fights, Nathaniel Wood, Mark DeCasey. I don't think they lost a second combined. What did they? Mark DeCasey just dominated Hodzabek. It was a no, little no, bit boring. Yeah, no, he did. From start, from horn to horn, DeCasey dominated. And it was exactly how you said it was. It was via wrestling, which you pinpointed out the gate. What did the parlay pay those two? Because they were both minus one ninety. Not not okay. the best and, odds, but it was it was one of those that yeah. I put down. I put down for two units, and I probably should have put it down for twenty. It was right. thirty minutes of stress free money making. Also, I would like to give you a round of applause for not getting greedy and adding Mason Jones into that because that. Yep. I thought about it. You know, I, I had two parlays, both of them cast. I thought about putting Mason Jones in both. The first one was uh, tailing the best handicapper, and I say that with all the sarcasm. Oh, thanks, man. Oh, sorry. Drake. Drake's a guy who loses everybody places. Last week he was in the green, though, parlaying Patty Pimblett and Molly McCann. Oh, a yeah, nice, man. fun scouser parlay. I threw a unit the there. The parlay of all time. Yep. Threw a unit there. Count it. Um, and then this DeCasey Wood was just easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I added Mason Jones to one of mine, and then I, I pulled him out of the other, which was nice. But I got, again, Dan, closing line value, just like you. I added Mason Jones at minus 315 with Vulcan Ozdemir, and that missed. Son of a – I played it straight at 325. And we can get right to it because there wasn't a lot to say besides Mark DeCasey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with Mark DeCasey dominated, like you were – like the London dominated. But, Yeah. So let's take it. Make it. Mason Jones, the Walesman, loses to Ludovic Klein, who, by the way, this fight took place at 155. Ludovic has fought most of his career at 45. So, and, and Mason Jones held the Cage Warriors title at 170. So there should have been a huge size discrepancy. And I'm, I'm not putting you on blast because you're dead right, but it's going to sound like I'm putting you on blast, but I'm not. Um, when he was making his debut, you talked about how well credentialed he is from all facets. I, he's yep. like a judo black belt. Uh, jiu-jitsu black belt um not sambo maybe it's some sort of uh maybe muay thai black belt whatever and he has now dropped uh two of his three ufc appearances with his only win being that of a newcomer david onama who who when you watch that fight back put together a couple really good minutes in a good uh scramble and then the alan patrick fight is obviously ended in no contest that was a win but whatever but Mike Davis, who's as tough as they come, and it was a very close fight, but this loot of it to me is the start of a red flag. And it's going to lead to this question. Where are your thoughts on Mason Jones right now? And is he the real deal still? So I'm, I'm not ready to answer if he's the real deal. And I would have told you before Saturday that 100% he is. Like you said, he's got the resume. He's got all the tools, the technical ability. There was something in between this first and second round when he, with the camera's on his corner and he's talking to his teammates and they're talking about, they're talking about what Mason needs to do to complete these takedowns that he was trying to get in the first round. And I actually, it was a close one. I did score the first round for him, even though he didn't get any of the others. Um, 
And Mason says, he makes a comment to his corner. He says, strong he is. And then kind of gives him a wide eye. Like, I really wasn't prepared for him to be this strong. And I don't think that I'm going to have success in the place that we, we game plan to have success. And it was really right at that point. I started looking to live bet. I said, at that point I, I was jumping off the ship, but um, I guess to, to not answer your question, I was more impressed with Ladovit than I thought of a Mason red flag besides just the mentality aspect. It felt like, he had a close round that he thought he lost and that his corner might've told him he lost. And so he threw his game plan out, said, I'm too weak to take down Ludovic and just, just started fighting really recklessly. And the next two rounds were incredibly reckless. And I'm talking even into the third, when he's pulling guard, looking for those subs, it just, the IQ didn't make sense. It almost felt like he, he let himself get off the rails the second he had the smallest amount of adversity and, uh, and, and felt that home crowd and the pressure a little bit, which was something I was really sure he wouldn't having all the cage warriors experience and double champ and cage warriors. You're fighting in front of Londoners. You're fighting in front of hometown guys, people from Wales, Welshmen. It, it really, to me, it felt like he let all of the outside noise get to him and affect his performance in the octagon. Which is again, like you said, I mean, he's a two time, belt holder and cage is two different divisions. And it's, it's not like this is his UFC debut. It's not like this is the, a culture shot. Like, oh, he didn't even have to travel. It's a home game for him. Um, but Ludovic Klein, I mean, look, I think Ludovic Klein's extremely underrated. The line in hindsight, obviously, might have been a little bit too high. The reason why I felt comfortable adding it to a parlay was two reasons. One, size. I mean, Mason Jones, although apparently he's weaker, he is significantly bigger fighting at 70 and 55. Ludovic's coming up to 55. And then I thought that Ludovic is a phenomenal striker. And what's awesome about what, or what I thought was awesome about Mason Jones is the ability to take it wherever he wants because of how well-rounded he is in, in all mm-hmm. the assets. But, you know, Ludovic's dropping to Mike Trezano and Nate Landwehr, but then he's dominating Don, uh, Devontae Smith, who obviously is uh, in a different promotion, and then Mason Jones. It's, I don't know, man. This sport is crazy, but I, I definitely did not see that coming. So hats off to Ludovic Klein, and I'll be intrigued to see where Mason Jones goes. He right now, when he comes in the states, he's trains with Team Alpha Male, correct? Um, no, I think he's. I'm I sure wanted to say he was Glory affiliated, but you could be right. Either way, I think I'm pretty sure he's uh, Team Alpha Male, and I'm pretty sure he needs to leave because they they ruin careers. Um, Vulcan Ozdemir versus Paul Craig, also the ankle lock, advancing us to three and zero. Way to spearhead that one, Danny. I the gift of the line. It really was. Yeah, it was. Um, I did spearhead the under a little bit. I thought that Vulcan was going to be able to get the TKO, and worst case scenario, if he didn't, Paul Craig was going to do a, a Krylov type sub on him. So I, I missed on the under there, but yeah, I mean Vulcan just did exactly what everyone should do against Paul Craig. Don't grapple. Don't hop into his guard. Right. As much as he's going to try and pull you there, just don't. Yeah. It's a slow, f- it was, a, it was kind of a boring fight too. All, all things. But it, it, it's funny. Cause even when Vulcan is, is having that success and, and having the right logic and game plan, his corner is yelling at him because he's getting pulled in, sucked into that Paul yeah. Craig fight. It's he, Paul Craig has got an uncanny ability to lay down on his butt and invite these professional fighters into like 
oh, this looks fun. I'm going to go punch this guy in the face. But that's the only place he's dangerous. It's most, so funny. He's got the most dangerous triangle I think I've ever seen. It is so fucking fast how, how fast he can throw that fucker up. Um, spinning elbow yet again to punches. Molly McCann beats Hannah Goldie. I mean, Molly McCann is riding this Pimlet coattail to the moon and it's working for her. And I, she's borderline stardom right now for someone who is average at best. Um, so there will be a fade potential in the future, in my opinion. But unfortunately, Hannah Goldie couldn't get it done. Definitely. And I, I, honestly, I love her like game plan, her marketing strategy outside the octagon, calling out Antonina like it's going to give her a, a stepping stone towards Valentina. It's, it's a funny move to do. But you know what? Hey, I love the move. You're going to win yeah. that fight, Molly. And I love her and Patty together, too. So it's they're just riding each other's coattails to the to the top. Nikita 50K Kry- Molly. Yeah. It's not surprising. I'm assuming another 50K here, maybe, but Nikita Krylov yep. just absolutely steamrolls uh, Alexander Gustafsson. DC on the side was calling for Gustafsson to retire. I don't disagree with that. We talk about time and time again on this podcast that you need, you in this sport more than any other sport, you could not be one foot in, one foot out. It's impossible. If you are one foot in, one foot out, you have already lost. Gustafsson retired, has come back and has had no success. Where, where, I guess the two things is, what do you think of Krylov's performance and where do, what does Gustafsson do? I mean, obviously Krylov's performance was great. But I didn't learn a lot. I thought yeah. Krylov looked as, as good as he could. Um, but yeah, Gustafsson, Chinny, that wasn't there. It was not the same Gustafsson that has made a name for himself at that and carved himself a Hall of Fame spot at 205. But um, doesn't yeah. look like he looks like a shell of the man he should be. Like he, the worst part is like he didn't even really react. He was super, super slow, very, very hittable. It was, it was sad to see, and I'm kind of sick of seeing yep. these veterans get beat up. Patty Reason Pimlet, called it 50k for Krylov. Yeah, Patty Pimlet uh, defeated Jordan Levitt via rear naked choke. I did ride a little bit on untracked on Jordan Levitt. I, I know for a fact, I'm so confident that there will be a fade spot on Patty Pimlin. Unfortunately, Jordan Levin just ain't it. But this performance, in my opinion, was Patty's best performance. Even though I scored the first round for Jordan Levitt, all three judges scored it for Patty. So make Home it cooking, baby. Yeah. Um, did he get anything or no? 50K for Patty. Yeah, that's the last bonus. All yeah. performance bonuses. Yeah, it makes sense. Jack Hermanson pretty much dismantles Chris Curtis. And the only storyline here for me was the disrespect Chris Curtis showed towards Hermanson. Um, uh, my favorite thing about this sport is the respect that everyone shows. And Chris Curtis lost his cool just because Hermanson was doing exactly what Hermanson should be doing. He was popping mm-hmm. in when he wanted to pop in, was very, very unconventional, beyond bizarre striking. And it worked perfectly. And then Chris, Chris has been died. very apologetic in the last couple of days of, of kind of how he acted immediately following the play. It's embarrassing, but yeah, I mean, at a certain point, he just got frustrated because Jack's movement was perfect and he was pointing to the octagon like, Hey, man, I can't hit you. Will you come let me hit you? <laughs> yeah. It, it just Jack looked awesome. Yeah. Jack looked awesome. But then the main you event. Funny, and I, not to get on a yeah. tangent, but when yeah. I was betting this one, because I think that it'd be lined differently um, 
in a different circumstance. Let, had it not be a Chris Curtis short notice after having just beaten Hidalfo, it kind of reminded me of the Lupe Godinez short notice um, fight where she's coming in as a favorite with all this juice because she's got momentum in the last month, right. but she's moving up a weight and she's doing all this and extra. There's all these things that aren't being considered. And all of a sudden you end up with like a coin flip of the line that should not be. That, that so, 1,000% played a factor, and recency bias in this sport more than almost any other sport plays a big factor. So you see Chris Curtis, you see Chris Curtis, he might have busted it against Brendan Allen for you, and then he puts on another win and busts you again, and you're like, oh, I'm riding this guy, you know? Uh, so props to him mm-hmm. for taking that momentum, and we'll see. I know the other thing that I wanted to mention is I, I think Chris Curtis should maybe try to – lean out a little bit and get to 170 i don't know how close or how hard that would be for him but when you see him against a guy like Hermanson, you're like whoa he probably should be i mean he looks small in my opinion even if you just look against adolfo vieira and we're, we're not talking size so or i'm not talking size so much as uh like ability to move he's got someone who's flat-footed and not a great striker in hidalfo and hittable and Chris Curtis is the one that that's on the flat on the balls of his feet or the flats of his feet yeah. in the center of the octagon, uh, really not moving, just kind of turning and trying to hit Adolfo. And I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't think that that's a, I don't think that counter striking from the middle of the octagon is a recipe for success. You're going to get guys like Hermanson who have good footwork and just style on. Yeah. And he looks slow too. And then the main event, everyone knows by now, but Curtis Blades wins via KOTKO, but it's an injury, doctor stoppage. I don't know the official diagnosis on Tom Aspinall's leg. Does anyone know? I know they it was rumoring MCL, Kobe. Yeah, so I heard MCL, but I don't know if that was official or just rumored. Okay. But yeah, I mean, look, I rode Blades, got lucky, feel bad for Aspinall, feel bad for the fans. Two great main events in a row and via fluke injury. So, unfortunately, not much to recap, but Blades is one step closer to a title shot, I guess, because that's what happened to Yair, I mean, too. two in a row, and it feels like three or four this month, or last two months, if you include the rakage and then a, a couple yeah. of really controversial decisions. It, these, these main events have been disappointing. Yeah, it, 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 to say the least. So, that will close the book on UFC London – in the O2. Danny, let's put the recap away with a nice little Malort shot. And so for those who are yeah, new, looking at this. For those who are new, not new, this is on this podcast, we do Malort bets uh, as friendly wagers. It is an alcohol that tastes similar to there it is. There she is. Tastes uh, some people love it. Some people have a taste aversion. It's supposed to be grapefruit. Tastes like velvet. Other people struggle because it tastes like bug spray. Um, so it's definitely something you should go out and try, though. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, definitely worth a try. Who sponsors this podcast, they believe in us. It's um, an experience that you'll never forget. And you know what? Yeah. You can participate at home if you if you also thought Neil Magny was going to beat Shavkat like a loser like me. Then hey, maybe yeah. you deserve some. some so that some is this bet. That is this bet. Danny and I did a alert bet. But on set the spread before we knew the line, he thought Magny was going to be the favorite. I thought Shavka was going to be the favorite. We did a three unit alert wager, and obviously Shavka ended up being the favorite. So we wrote it straight up. Shavka won that fight. Danny owes the Malortis. So first down one, down. first one down the hatch, Danny. 
Cheers. Cheers. Poha. Poachina. Yeah, if you ever watch, if you ever see me do a more bet, I think I, I struggle something off. I almost booted last time. Um, okay. Contender so series. Said, Let's recap that real quick. With that being said, I'm going to yeah, – Dan's still struggling. Let's get that on film. Um, with that, we'll kick it over to you, Country Club, to break down some news and notes before we break down UFC 2, what, 77? 277. 277. Um, before we jump, I guess first part of news and notes, we can recap Contender Series from what was yesterday. We're recording here on Wednesday. Uh, week one, we had four fights after, what, William Souza – Weighed in 10 pounds overweight. There was supposed yep. to be five, ended up being four. Um, I'll hand it off to you guys, but rather uninspiring other than the last fight. We have one contract given out to uh, Joe Body Bags, Joe, Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah. And he, we, so we were kind of live tweeting, and Dan, you touched on something last night where Felder seemed off, and I couldn't agree more. Felder was calling for multiple contracts, I think three after the Pfeiffer. But it was a slow night last night. If you missed it, watch the main event. Um, I think we have a serious problem on our hands for the light heavy or middleweight division. Um, he, he looked great. But the rest was was slow. Lack of urgency. Can you believe, real quick, not to go off on a tangent, can you believe I had people in my mentions saying that the Bazookia decision was like a, a, a horrible decision and that um, whatever Romero – the guy who shot for takedowns for 20 minutes and didn't get one went 0 for 11. Yep. Should have won that decision. I cannot believe people think that. So I, really quickly, I do want to talk about that for a second. That Romero decision, I scored a 29-28 for Luna. And the reason why I scored 29-28 is because I gave Luna the first. Fight after. The, you're talking uh, Luna. You're talking, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about the first level play. I was talking about the first decision because the, the Bazooka decision I thought was – beyond justified yeah i thought it was obvious but for the romero- <laughs> i didn't know what anyone else was looking at and i even pulled up the stats and was like hello for romero luna is one of those weird fights where first round third round i scored for luna but second round was the most dominant round and it was clearly for romero if i score the overall fight i give it to romero but if you do it by like the 10-9 must system that we have i had 29 28 luna Everyone on Twitter was losing their minds over that split decision, and I do not know why. I thought the 30-27 was the only weird card, but I, I don't know. Super random for a random Tuesday night, but it, it fired me up. And, and listeners, those of you confused, it's Costa, not Romero, was the first fight. Luna versus You're right. Costa. Costa. I fucked up. Costa versus Luna. No worries. Same, same, everything applies still. But uh, yeah, everything else minus that name, yes. Last thing I want to wrap with this. You guys see the Dana Presser with uh, um, God, I'm blanking on her name. Um, anyways, Dana's Olivia? Presser afterwards. The 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 availability with Olivia or the actual press conference because there were two media availabilities last night. Morris One where he's Sanko? giving out the contracts, the walk off, Kobe. No, I was I was talking about with Morisenko when when he was giving out contracts and just so disappointed yeah. with everybody. Yep, where where he didn't even say Joe's got a a contract. He he said. Yeah. Like fuck you guys, be Joe Piper, and then walked away. Right, we say? left to infer that Joe Piper got a contract, which he did. I I, I missed the whole thing. What what I I turned it off after the fights ended. What happened? He spent a minute. So he called out camps. He called out individuals that didn't look like they wanted to be there, put their best foot forward. He basically said that 
when he is setting up fights for contender series, he tries to go into it without having seen any of their stuff on the regional scene, any other um, promotions. And all he wants to see is people show up Tuesday nights, put their best foot forward. And he feels like that didn't happen or anybody, but Joe Pfeiffer or Pfeiffer. And so he said, be Joe Pfeiffer. And he didn't say that Pfeiffer got a contract, but that's what uh, we were about to infer. The other aspect of it uh, was that he said he invited Lorenzo Fertitta and had to convince him to show up and that Lorenzo had a really boring time because of the first three fights. Yeah, well, at the same time, I respect that and stuff, but Dana also kind of pisses me off because he's never been in there. He doesn't know how hard it is to be in there. And he's basically saying he encourages finishes because the audience loves it. I get it from a business perspective. But Joel's have to remember, it's like, these guys are trying to win more importantly than anything else. They're not going to go out there and just swing to swing. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I agree. Uh, The rest of the way. A couple spots, though, where guys weren't trying to finish and they were trying to get position. Who cares if if Mr. Billionaire Lorenzo Fertitta is upset because two guys who are living paycheck to paycheck aren't trying to murder each other? Like, well, it's the guys living paycheck to paycheck who should care because they need a big contract. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's worse for them. Like, they're trying the best they. I mean, you're telling me that the guys are going in there and like they're like, oh, I'm going to try to lose this one. Like, they're obviously trying to get the finish. It's hard. I'm telling you that, especially that uh, Anton Turkal guy that, um, oh, Turkali, yeah, Yeah. the Swede that had a dominant wrestling performance, but threw or had more minutes of control time than strikes thrown. Yeah, that was a boring fight. Yeah, I agree, though. He he showed la- – I agree. I agree. I agree. It also started off poorly when somebody missed weight by 10 pounds. Yeah, it's, 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 that's it's part of it's – guys not taking it seriously, but part of it's Dana that's saying, hey, especially in this Dana White contender series, you better be hunting finishes because I'm trying to find guys that are promotable. And I, I get that they're trying to win the fight more than they're trying to search a finish, but maybe this is Dana, you know, trying yeah, to light a fire and say, hey – more than win the fight, I want to see finishes because I need excitement. That weight miss was extremely embarrassing because it, it, it's embarrassing if it's a pound, but to miss by 10 pounds, I wouldn't be surprised if that single weight miss prevents that guy from ever getting a USC contract. I really wouldn't oh, be surprised. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I really wouldn't be surprised. All right, that wrap up contender series. We got pretty lean news and notes the rest of the way, but I got a couple of fights to announce. Um, UFC Paris, September 3rd. We already mentioned his name once that he was signing with UFC, but Cedric Dumbe, who's a kickboxing champ, uh, 2-0 in MMA career, is fighting Darian Weeks in Paris. That'll be so fun. I, I mean, I'm really excited for the Dumbe crossover. He's a guy that I think I think the first time we mentioned him on the podcast was when um, – they, they released that boxing video game a, a whole while ago that had all the, the kickboxers in. It was super realistic in terms of feints and, and striking controls. But, yeah, Cedric Dumbe, baller. Absolutely I saw a great dynamite on those hands. today that we'll retweet and make sure it circuit circulates. But awesome stuff there. Um, the following week at UFC 279, Johnny Walker and Jan Kutalaba. Another banger. That's that. That's an underrated banger. Those guys are gonna meet in the middle, and one of them's walking away decapitated. Get decapitated. 
Um, and actually the last one, like I said, we're lean on news and notes this week, but unconfirmed even, but there's some steam and Dana kind of mentioned in his press conference that he likes the matchup and try to make it work between uh, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler. Long overdue for both of those guys. Need to get them a fight. Just two fan favorites. Yeah, just, just to get them in the ring, let alone. I mean, it, I don't know how much that helps either of them in, in title contention or whatever, but but just to keep them active, I agree. I'll bet that's 281 at Madison Square Garden, too. They need they need something for that 281 card if they're going to throw all these bangers on 280 and then have a, a, a fight night or a pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden. And Dana said in his presser last night that – there's three to four more bangers coming on that 280 card. And I've seen rumors that, you know, six or seven fighters from everywhere are trying to get on that. Oh, want card. it. Yeah. Fight of the card of the year. Can't wait. Should we move it to this week? USC 277, American yeah. Airlines Center. Or no, let's not move it. We still have one more chat, don't we? We do. We do. Good man. Good man. That was quick. We didn't have a lot of news and notes or recap there. Oh, but. Dan's going to start getting buzzed. What is that? 35%? I really do appreciate Malort believing in us and, and sending us all, all these the bottles and the gear and, and, and it really having our backs since the get. We're putting it to good use. That's for sure. I think we were like less than 20 episodes in when Malort believed in us. Yeah. And I guess no now Malort. I've got to believe in Malort. No Malort was harmed in the making of this video. No Malort was harmed. <laughs> One dank wager was harmed. <laughs> yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> One handicapper has been majorly yeah. harmed. Emotionally and physically. Here we go. Poha. 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 <laughs> it doesn't get better. <laughs> And with that, UFC 277, American what? Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, this Saturday. It is the 30th of July. I'm, I'm doing some quick math. If you're going to be there, tweet at me. Let's let's meet up and grab a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so prelims are on ABC. It's a, yeah, uh, the 30th of July, and it starts at 5 p.m. So we're going to have a late one. It is in American it's Airlines. 5 Central. Five Central, correct, sorry, six Eastern, Dallas, Texas, and it's shaping up to be an okay card. Um, I don't want to shit on your dreams, so it's going to be a good card. So let's let's start it off right where we should in, in the curtain jerker. Orion Kosi versus Blood Diamond, and the line is Orion Kosi minus 175, Blood Diamond plus 150. Not a whole lot of movement here. I'll kick it off to Dankwages to start this one off. Yeah. Um, Kosi's a guy who I used to be a lot higher on than I am now. Both him and his brother um, came off the contender series and seemingly had kind of all the boxes chick checked. Um, the grappling, the striking, um, I want to say the durability, but certainly not the gas tank is what we learned. And um, it's both him and his brother, Lewis, that our first round really are bust and it really, it, it, it's tough. Excuse me. He's still I'm still, I'm I know. still reeling over here. I'm still, I know. His eyes are so lost. Um, the, Kosi is going to have a huge grappling advantage. Blood Diamond, as we talked about, um, the last time the UFC was in Texas, no, not the last time in Texas, but the last pay-per-view in Texas, um, 271, 
in Houston, Adesanya Whitaker. Blood Diamond fought Jeremiah Wells, got dominated. Um, and he's a guy who is really, really one-dimensional. Um, he's a kickboxing buddy of, of Izzy's. He's a city kickboxing body that they have for, for sparring, for training, for whatever. Um, that obviously is marketable. His name's fucking Blood Diamond. And, and <laughs> he, he looks like uh, like Wesley Snipes when he enters the octagon. It's fucking sweet. But, um, man, I, I, it really looked like he was lost on his back. And that wasn't so long ago, just really a couple months. And um, in five months, you're not going to learn enough to, to really make a difference in there. So I, I see Kosey coming in, getting a takedown early, really hurting him with ground and pound. Hopefully Kosey's been training his gas tank, but I don't know if he'll need it because I think he'll get uh, an early, early-ish finish in this fight. Um, the second that he gets Blood Diamond off his feet. Yeah, I mean, I actually do think a, I might do a singular unit on Kosey and or a parlay ad. But look, like Blood Diamond, he trains out of city kickboxing. Pretty much he has a, a decently extensive kickboxing background. But when it comes to mixed martial arts, we know it's different. And Jeremiah Wells proved it and showed it. Kosey, his issue is, I thought, gassing. It's actually his brother. His issue was from, from his fights that we've seen so far is he can be defensively a little bit irresponsible. Um, and that's what got him caught in his first fight against Philip Rowe. He won the first round pretty easily and decisively. And he, he mixed in striking and wrestling. And then he just got tagged. Has a good chin on him. Um, he stayed standing and everything, but it, it ended up being overwhelming for him. I, I think Kosey will be able to make this dirty, clinch dirty, uh, and, and I do, in fact, like him here. So he'll he'll find my card in one way or another, but low risk just because both him and, and his brother have given me trust issues. Um, and Team Alpha Male. Reese, you, you're going to bet straight on Team Alpha Male? I don't know. The one thing, though, is I'm noticing now on his tapology, this is the third time the bout's been scheduled. The first time Kosey got injured. The second time, Blood Diamond withdrew. So not, not exactly sure what – went into that withdrawal but um something a month ago said that made blood diamond say that he wasn't ready for orion weird yeah we'll see but 170 that takes place curtain jerker and he's minus 175 nick negamarianu versus eeyore poteria poteria is making his ufc debut his only fight was on the contender series he won it via kotko and then negamarianu um has He's, he's fought in the UFC, but they, he's had mixed results um, with a, a loss that was a win via point deductions from Kennedy, who struggled. Um, but then, you know, he beat up on Ike Villanueva and then a split decision via Alexa Kamur. So he's had a interesting two out of his four fights have been split decisions. What do you like here, Dan? Because I have an interesting to actually do you mind if I tee off this one first? Go ahead, please. I'm feeling good about this one. So I actually like. So um, I do think Negamarianu is value at the dog, but he was 150 and is now plus 150 and he's now minus 105 um, or he's plus 105. So I do unfortunately think we missed the, the train. Um, I do think he will close as a favorite though. I really do. So I think there's still a little bit juice left to be squeezed, but I'm a little nervous on it. These guys are going to be looking to stand and bang. That is why I actually like the under two and a half minus 140 
because I believe that these the, both these gentlemen are coming in here with the intentions to stand and bang. Negamarianu um, has a phenomenal chin on him, but the reason why we know that is because time and time again, he's been teed off on very sloppy def uh, defensively. And Poteria, if you watched his, the little footage we do have from him from the Contender Series, he just swings. He swings from his hips. He swings super wide and wild. If he catches Negamarianu, Negamarianu is going to be in trouble. But, but if Negamarianu counters or pushes the play, pace, I think Poteria's lights could go out. So I, I think the under is the safest play here at minus 150. Um, but if you, if I had to pick a side, I'm going Negamarianu. Thoughts on that break? I love that. No, I, I love that. I really don't have much to add. My whole take on this one was, I say a lot on this podcast. I like to, especially in this sport, bet on what I know, bet on what I've seen, what I know to be true. Um, and Negamarianu has been in there with UFC caliber. And I mean, Kennedy and Chuckwee, it's a controversial decision, split decision, but he looked good. Alexa Camry looked good. Even Saperbag Safarov is, is, is a fine loss to have on your record. Ike Villanueva, I'm looking yeah. past. But you look at the Pochiera line, and this is just such a massive step up in competition. I won't even say that, but it's a massive the level of competition that Pochera has faced on the regional scene is a major red flag for me. I'm seeing a lot of 0 and 0, 17 and 18, 0 and 3, 0 and 4, 0 and 2, 5 and 2, up until literally his his only uh, capable fighter that he's faced was on Contender Series. And so what I know is that Nogu Mariano is UFC caliber, and I'm just not sure yet that Pochera is. I I love it. I agree. I don't know if Nogu Mariano like I think Nogu Mariano is like has a chance to really drop a couple in a row. And, and cause I just was never overly impressed, but I do think, but he, I think Kennedy will be here for a long time and they looked very, very similar in terms of skills. And, 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 I, I think and that, Nick has the, the at 27 years old. He has the base where he can be here for a very long time, even though none, like you said, he hasn't jumped off the page or really looked like, Oh wow, this guy's a killer. Watch out. Also, um, fun fight style too. So mm -hmm. we'll be quick here. Ji Young Kim is fighting Jocelyn Edwards. Jocelyn Edwards is minus 130. Ji Young Kim plus 110. For me, Ji Young Kim is a lot faster, but she's also a lot smaller. Um, she's fighting at 125. Jocelyn Edwards has fought all the way up at 145. Power advantage, Jocelyn Edwards. Um, I, I think, I mean, we're dogger pass at this point, right? I mean, the over seems pretty safe, but it's minus 400. Um, the one thing to take into consideration here when you're talking about the size is this fight is up at 135. Right. And, and Jocelyn's mm -hmm. fought as far as 145. Jiyoung Kim usually fights at 25. So yep. it, I have a feeling there's going to be a big size discrepancy. That being said, I like the Jiyoung Kim, Kim side. I think that okay. she's the better fighter. Um, Edwards is likes to strike. I'm not, I, I'm not expecting her to come out there and put out like some kind of dominant wrestling scenario i'm i'm just looking at jion kim's record and it's gonna sound silly but she's due she's putting on these great performances and just losing or kind of just getting the wrong end of the stick or a bad decision against alexa grasso meatball molly priscilla cachoeira all of those people are huge favorites against jocelyn adwards and i think the size is the only thing that it has that number where it is um i really like kim here and as someone who 
tends to stay as far away in terms of betting with my hard-earned money from women's MMA, I might be on Kim. But you got to admit, the best part is it also abides by the science. So we're big fans. Of oh, that. yeah. Michael oh, yeah. Morales, 13-0 and 0 and 23 years old, is fighting UFC newcomer Adam Fugit. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I saw very little footage on him. You can only find it on YouTube uh, or maybe on Fight Pass too. But he, I'm going to go with Fugit. Is, yeah, I'm locking in Fugit. Um, but the line's steep, um, very, very steep. So Morales is minus 600, Adam Fugit plus 450. Dan, pre-tape, I mentioned that I kind of like the TKO KO on Morales' side, and you were lukewarm. I- I'm going to cue this one off to you to start. Yeah, and it's not so much that I think Fugit or Fugit or whoever Fugit. the fuck. Yeah, whoever the fuck. Whatever the fuck. It's not so much that I think he's got the skills or that he's uh, some tough egg to crack. He's a a BJJ black belt. Um, He's got decent striking, decent wrestling from what I've seen. Um, I mean, he's a classic, I say classic amateur fighter. He tends to use forward pressure, decent output and pace, decent cardio. The level of competition obviously is not there. He's a short notice. On the other side, Morales, though, I think he's going to have an easy path to victory if he just is on top, shoots for takedowns. He was a member of the Ecuadorian um, national team for wrestling. I think he just missed the Olympics by maybe some scheduling or uh, some some kind of weird whatever, but he's the much better wrestler. And why I was a little bit lukewarm on the KOTKO has a lot to do with that. I think that Fuggett's going to spend a lot of time on his back but I just am not a guy who has a lot of poor past performance picking props. I'm just not sure exactly how Morales gets it done. I just know that he will. So he, so Fugit, Fugit came into his Solomon Renfro fight as a plus, like the Solomon Renfro was minus 500 in that fight. Um, Fugit won via first round KO, TKO 43 seconds in. And he swung from his hips. He landed very slow kicks. He is very, I don't want to oh, say. Oh, I've seen Fuggett grapple. I, I know. I have submission underground 14. Yeah, Nick Maximoff. No, he can grapple. He can grapple. I'm saying that, like, his last two MMA fights ended in him punching him. KOTKO via, via punches. On the flip side, Michael Morales, although he, I know his wrestling foundation's strong, I, I, just from what we saw in that Trevin Giles fight and from the contender series, he is sharp striking too. And I think that if I had to predict this fight, I think Michael Morales is going to keep it high and tight. And I think Fugit's going to be there to be hit, but this one's a, this one's just, and I mean, Michael Morales is minus 600. What are you supposed to do with that? You know? Yeah. There's not much you can. Um, and for me, I, I was just going to stay away, but yeah, maybe if I can get behind that proper. I'll probably end up just yeah. telling you because I know that you're a smart you know, guy who's got see, a lot of reasons if, for what he's doing. Let's see if it becomes official first. Um, Dracar Close, Rafa Garcia. And this one I'm really curious on your take because Dracar Close, obviously, after getting pushed by Jeremy Stevens, had a long layoff and has only had one fight since. And then Rafa Garcia is losing to guys like Chris Gritzmacher, but then also showing – 
putting together some decent performances against uh, Ronson, Jesse Ronson, Natan Levy. Not that those guys are world beaters by any means, but it, it's, it's really weird when I was taping seeing the good side of Rafa Garcia, but then also the bad side. You're, it's, it, it can be confusing. But Trigar Close comes in at, a, at uh, minus 205 over on DK, but a lot of sites have him at 220 to 250. Um, Rafa Garcia being plus 180 on the other side almost everywhere yeah so, and i actually yeah, have a great play thing? on this i'm very curious yeah i i, I like the jacar close side like mm. you mentioned the the push that has kept him out for a little bit that's the biggest red flag the biggest question mark that i've that i've got in this fight and to me that it's almost like negligible um jacar close i think is the much better fighter than rafa garcia rafa's got power he's very skilled he's very dangerous but I don't see him very well-rounded. Close loves to close the distance, clinch up, grind on opponents. I know that he knocked the shit out of Brandon Jenkins, but need be, Close can really operate extremely well uh, from the clinch, grind on you, um, short knees, short elbows, look for takedowns if they're available, but he's willing to chip away and just kind of stay in that clinch position where he knows he's winning and just do enough. And I, I, I see that as like almost a emergency blanket path to victory if close isn't having success anywhere else which i think he will i think he's the technically better striker even if garcia is going to have more power um and, and i think that of the two of them close has the ability to put garcia on his butt while i don't see rafa putting Drakkar close on his butt is this going to be a tracked play for you this is going to be a track play okay i'm glad we didn't consider this for ankle lock because I think that Drakkar Close is going to win, but I do not think that 205 to 250 is a good line. I think that he might bust a couple parlays, and here's why. I think Rafa Garcia, although technically, is definitely a worse striker. Drakkar Close is a lot crisper. I do think Rafa has the speed advantage, Um, and he he does throw loopy punches. He does get in trouble with that. Really? See, when I was watching Drakkar Close – especially recently, Drakkar Close likes that phone booth style. He gets in, throws a lot of quick uppercuts, a lot of body shots. But when he's striking at range, it is – it's tight, but it's it's slower. Um, and then also Rafa, in every one of his fights, mixed in takedowns. And I'm wondering how – I know Drakkar Close has a wrestling foundation. I, I just – I'm worried that it's going to be a dogfight. And in a dogfight, I'm always worried about taking the minus, you know, 200 or whatever. But um, that's interesting because I do – if it's minus 110 each way, I'm hammering Jakar, obviously. Uh, just just on your last – Please. Take whatever. Jakar closes takedown defense is up at 68% for his career. Okay. That's actually important to know. So, yeah. And, and, and the other thing, too, about Rafa that's very, very important to know – is in his career, um, one of the things he struggled with more than anything else is is the ability to keep people down. So he can mm-hmm. grind out takedowns, but he almost had little to zero success in all of his fights at keeping them on the mat. Very low. I think guys rate. like Jagos, Bobby Green, Lando Venata are all favorites at similar prices over Rafa Garcia at this point, and those are all three guys that Jerkar Close has had no problem with. I, you're, I'm coming around a little bit. I just think it's going to be a closer fight than you think. And I think that 
a better way to attack this might be 0.7 units or, or whatever, 70% of your bet pre-fight and then look to get 30 or 80% down and then look to get 20% maybe live after round one. Cause Garcia gasses. Um, and yeah, you can no, also, that's, that's definitely true. You can also gauge how the fights go, you know? Um, but this one's a pass for me, but I do think that the Garcia side is close to having value. Not quite, but, but close. I, I'm almost on the other side. I think that there's value on Dracar. That's why I'm ready to I, place I'm gonna, it. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to dig back into this later because I might uh, come around. Dantel Mays is fighting Hamby Abadouala Hob. Close? I have <laughs> no idea. Close. I just wish we had Parker on it for this one. Uh, but Hamby Abadouala Hob. Um, he's only 3-0, and which is I'm very to me. And he's taking on Dantel Mays here. And the line is Dantel Mays minus 185, Hamdi, Hamdi plus 155. What's really crazy is Dantel Mays opened at plus 100. So it's been smashed down to where Dantel Mays is now the favorite. What this means, to me at least, is I do think that the steam has already been in. And, and I don't see Dantel Mays getting over minus 200. And I don't see it getting back to where it was. So I don't know if it's in no man's land as far as closing line value and actually getting value on the actual bet itself. Although I do lean Dantel Mays um, just from the reach and size and range and, and experience. It's pretty big reach and size, by the way. It's big. Yeah. Dantel Mays. Four inches height, eight inches reach. And Reese, this is one that I was all over. I, I snagged it right when it started moving. I'm on minus 115 for two units. Um, fuck. Thanks for the thanks for the leading the, the horse to water. I, I didn't get the, around to this one because I didn't tape in time. Abdel Wahab is 3-0. and And, and we, we can call it 5-0 and because there's the whatever bare knuckle MMA that yeah, he's considered yeah. ex- exhibition whatever. But even if you extend to that, his five and zero, oh, being generous, two of those five, two of those com- competitors are the same. A Matthew Strickland, who I don't know if recent if you've been uh, down these rabbit holes that I've been. <laughs> someone posted on on Twitter the um, the Icon FC replay of the Hamdi Matthew Strickland fight. This Matthew Strickland guy is a meme and a half. Oh my gosh, does this guy look funny and terrible? Uh, and for two of of Hamdi's five professional fights, literally in any capacity, to be over this Matthew Strickland guy is hilarious to me. I, re- I really have no other way to put it. Um, Abdel Wahab on paper has these wrestling credentials. I wouldn't be surprised if Mays ends up on his butt like once or twice in the first round. Um, but there really is levels to this. And this is... Maybe even more than the trash car Mozharov from like a month ago. This Hamdi guy is like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Like, how did you get here? What are you doing? What Which, is going on? I mean, he's fought nobody. No, but he I does I, seem to carry KO power. Seem maybe. But like I'm genuinely, trash But I'm genuinely very curious where what the the UFC's been doing because I feel like we've seen more. Three and zero, oh, three and two, three and one fighters than we've ever seen before. Um, so I am wondering. I know they're not they're they're not hurting for bodies. They're cutting good talent. So I, it it definitely confuses me at times. 
This one almost just seems like opportunity knocking. Obviously, this guy's got a lot of affiliation to Masvidal. He's got four professional fights and well, or five professional fights, and four of them are in Icon FC and Gamebred Fighting Championship, which are the two promotions that Masvidal owns. It, I just don't get it. I really, I, you can click on that Icon FC three card that he fought Matthew Strickland on, and like. I would even take other guys from this card. Like, what, what are we doing? Bo Nickel was on this card. So, really quickly, just tip of the cap for your line movement. Great job getting it at 115. Um, do you advise people to still hit it at 85, or is the juice squeezed? I considered betting the other side once it moved past my number. Let's just say there that. Okay, there you go. So I'm laying off, and it sounds like Dan's just going to keep his ticket with value. But, uh, Dan, your boy just seen over. Matthew Strickland. If what? you haven't seen Matthew Strickland, go check it out. It's on Tapology. Um, I mean, he's hilarious looking, Kobe, right? I mean, yeah, like, you could looking. wrap me around his waist, and he might have more weight already there. Two more prelims. Right. Drew Dober, Rafael Alves. Drew Dober is not near as big of a favorite as I thought he might be. He is minus 190. Rafael Alves plus 160. But the line did open at Drew Dober minus 300 and has been smashed to the Rafael Alves side. I thought Drew Dober is going to be closer to minus 300 where Vegas opened it. The more I did the taping, I don't disagree with the steam. The Mark DeCasey fight was interesting because DeCasey went to implement the wrestling and it shows how Alvis can operate in multiple facets. The Demiris Magulov fight was also interesting because it wasn't as much of a shit on as I thought it was going to be. Um, so we have an interesting guy. I mean, Rafael Alvis is young. He came in at plus 400 against Demiris Magulov, came in at another big dog, I believe. Uh, yeah, plus 200 against Mark DeCasey, pulled that off. He's coming in now again at plus 180. Um, but opened at plus 250 against Drew Dover. I, I'm This one's weird. I, I really didn't have a read on this one, Dan. Yeah, my read has less to do with anything that we're going to be able to track and more to do how to how to operate on fight night. I think Alvis is going to come out. I mean, he's a super fast, super aggressive starter. Um, great jits, heavy hands. He's going to look for a club and sub kind of right away in that first couple minutes. When he doesn't get it, because... I mean, we saw from the Terrence McKinney fight, Drew Dober has an iron chin. <laughs> when he doesn't get it, no, Dober's literally. going to come on late. Dober's fantastic Muay Thai is going to start showing. He's going to start tagging uh, Alves as Alves slows down. I really love a live play on Dober here after the first round. I think that Alves is going to come out and, and probably win it. We saw a guy who I think is less skilled than both these guys in Terrence McKinney, maybe just slightly have a lot of success in the first minute and a half against Drew Dober. And then all of a sudden Drew Dober is like, all right, I, I, I'm, I got this. Like, I, I really believe Dober's got the gas tank, the fight IQ, uh, the car. Yeah, I said gas tank, but um, mainly just the, the skill standing up to tag and really piece up Alves once Alves slows down. Thoughts on under. I know that's, that's an interesting... on the spot, but it's under two and a half minus 180. Um, and then also under one and a half plus one fifteen. Do either of those entice you, or are you just maybe hitting that live spot? I'm I'm right now just on the live Dover 
Um, maybe that under two and a half. I, I really think that Dover is going to just start unloading the longer that this fight goes. And hey. the first two minutes won't be his, but after those first two minutes, Alves won't be the same Alves that took the walk. Country Club, can you go to Best Fight Odds and can you craft a little something, something for me? Yep, start it up. Here's what I want. I want Orion Kosey. Um, uh, Michael Morales. Drakkar Close. Shout out, Dan. And then add um, the under two and a half in that Dober fight. Why not? If you're parlaying it, go fight doesn't go the distance. Give yourself an extra. Go fight doesn't go the distance. Go fight doesn't go the distance. Danny's right. All right. Let me get there. That's fight doesn't go the distance in. Where am I looking Dober, um Dober Alves. While you do that, let's queue up the next one. Alex Morono versus Matt Semselberger. Um, Alex Morono's plus 135. Semselberger's minus 155. Line did open, though, at 110 each way. I and and when I mean it instantly got hit, Dan. I mean it opened um, July sixth. I'm seeing at one ten, and by Ju- or July fifth, and by July seventh, it was one seventy. So two days, um, and people hit it. Now it's it, it's plateaued around that one seventy, one fifty five. I tend to agree with the line movement. See, it I, makes the dogger pass. At, at one ten, I'm over. I'm I'm on Senzelberger. I think he's mm-hmm. going to have a size advantage and a pacing advantage. But at, at, at right now, at 55, I don't know. We're in the exact same boat. Funny enough, we're fighting over the oars because <laughs> you're right. Semselberger is going to have the output. Or no, Morono is going to have the output. Semselberger is the better technical striker, but he's not elite by any stretch of the word. I, I just don't understand paying any sort of juice to play semi the Jedi when you know that Morono is going to lead the dance in terms of output and in terms of cage control. So it's going to be a sketchy decision for sure. I really believe that this one's going over. Um, and, and I tend to think that it's dog or pass, but I probably won't touch either side. Yeah. That over is interesting. What's the price on that? Do you know? I think minus 200 or something. It's, it's pretty big. Oh yeah, it is. It's pretty locked to go over. Um, well, that is actually going to be the prelim main event too. So next up is main card UFC 277. I get that prelim parlay number for you. Yeah. Prelim parlay number quick. Plus 341. That's Kosi, Morales, close and fight doesn't go the distance in Dober Elves. I don't love that. I don't love that. Not enough. Not enough. Um, we'll craft something else. Okay, let's get in the main card. Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Lionheart Smith, who, by the way, shout out, happy birthday, Lionheart Smith, just turned 34 yesterday. Um, shout out. So, yeah, shout out. But, here, here, you know what? Cheers to Lionheart. Hey, to Lionheart. Yeah, happy birthday, man. I mean, as much as he hasn't had the most success in the last couple of years, he's a guy I'm a huge fan of and have really always been – um, since I got into the sport, Lionheart, like to me, embodies a lot of what being a mixed martial artist is. So cheers to Lionheart. Cheers. And he's just a game fighter at yeah. all times. Mm-hmm. Absolute legend. Absolute legend of the sport. But 
unfortunately for him, his line is not representative of how much of a legend he is. Magomed Ankalaev is minus 520. Anthony Smith is plus 410. Line open at uh, Ankalaev minus 400, and Sharps were not scared off at all. Here's what I'll say about this before I let Danny tee off. Um, I'm not betting dog here. I am not. However, we get it, Danny. <laughs> Go one I had all these flipped over. He's getting drunk. Okay. As much as I love Danny, stop. It's just so my ADD is crushing me. Okay. As much as I love um, the sharp smashing it up for minus 400, minus 500, I think this is a completely unplayable line, even in a parlay. I think Anthony uh, Smith, his ground game in jiu-jitsu is way too good to play to to ride Magomed at minus five twenty. You're shaking your head. Am I wrong? No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm. Oh, I thought you were. No, I'm more shaking my head. I've still got some shakes from that fucking double fisted drink. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I agree. I I would not be caught dead playing Ink Live here. I'm teetering with the idea of, of Lionheart I really gotta say and, and not to confuse longtime listeners because if you've listened to every episode up until now you might think that Magomed Ankalaev is the single greatest light heavyweight on the planet the a shoe-in for the next belt holder um and I mean, he will be potential and he will be probably at some point but mm-hmm. um, he's a dominant wrestler and a more than capable striker in a weight class that doesn't have a lot of elite fighters to put it can i ask you a question a really yep. random question what are you more confident in magomed ankalaya here or cyril gone against tuivasa cyril gone against tuivasa me too okay good and there's similar lines and similar prospect it's similar i don't disagree Lionheart was was really vocal when this line opened that he felt so disrespected. He really did not believe it's anywhere close to this. And I agree. He's got the experience. He's got the fight IQ. I believe that he'll have more volume on the feet. If this is a, whatever, three-round kickboxing match, I think that Smith is is a really live dog. He's going to have more output, more volume, control the center of the cage. And if Ank Live doesn't land something big, Smith's going to win a couple rounds. I really believe that. And like you said, the jujitsu is there. If Ankalaev's yep. path to victory is we're going to ride this out, lay and pray, which he has not done, like Tiago Santos, like Iwan Kutalaba, two guys that, like, if you have any kind of fight IQ, just take the motherfuckers down. Just take them down. I don't think he's going to be able to do the same kind of stuff to Anthony Smith. And I know that Anthony Smith – I mean, wins over Devin Clark, Jimmy Crute, and Ryan Spann aren't the same as, as, as like, Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, and Vulcan Ozdemir that, that got him his title shot. But this is a new – this is a new Lionheart Smith, and I really believe that. I think that he's really motivated. I think that he's taking this sport more seriously now than ever, especially with the analyst job, which is sometimes opposite of uh, some people will go analyst and they forget that they're a fighter. He's going analyst and is taking notes. He's, he's, it really feels like he's at his best mentally right now. And um, 
I, I like a Lionheart who's who's believing in himself. I no really matter do. what, no matter how you dice it up, Anthony Smith will give you more than four to one value on your money. That that mm-hmm. that I can say. What win or lose, you'll get value there. Um, flyweight bout. I like the over two and a half. Also, I kind of do too, but the price wasn't great. Pantoja versus Perez arguably next in line for flyweight shot or, or damn near close, maybe one out. Pantoja's on a little bit of a streak of himself. Perez had an injury in his uh, title crack. The line is Pantoja minus 180. Alex Perez plus 155. Open though as Pantoja minus 275 and has been sm- absolutely smashed down pretty consistently. I mentioned this to, to yeah. Reese. Before we started recording, this is a fight where, I mean, I, I always operate off of a, of a note sheet. This isn't a fight where I have zero notes written down. It's not because I don't know Alex Andre Pantoja. It's not because I don't know Alex Perez. It's because there's so many question marks to me. You've got Alex Perez, who went on himself a nice little streak. Mark De La Rosa, Jordan Espinosa, Juicy Formiga. And then took short notes. He was scheduled against Brandon Moreno. And when Brandon, I think, withdrew, he took a short notice fight for the title against Figueredo. Obviously, that wasn't the best plan for him. He wasn't ready, but he is really skilled. And a guy like Pantoja, who starts really fast, he's a good striker, good jujitsu, um, kind of got all the all the tools, but isn't so elite at any, and then tends to slow. Perez could really be a bad matchup for him. I'm talking in terms of boxing technicality. I'm talking in terms of wrestling. If Perez puts Pantoja on his back, I know the jits is there in terms of uh, uh, of arm triangles and, and top pressure, but off his back, I don't know if Pantoja is going to just grab a triangle or something like that. I, I just don't believe it, even, even though Alex Perez did get a lot of his losses are from submissions um armbar prayer choke guillotine all, all on all on his record um it's tough this is one i'm not going to touch with a 10-foot pole because in my head i think alex is a really bad matchup for alex andre but all of the question marks all of the red flags all the unknowns are on the perez side and that just makes me uncomfortable I I actually don't even have anything to add. I mean, I love Pantoja. I love this line movement because I think you're getting closer and closer to getting value on Pantoja. But I still think 180 is steep. I think that Vegas messed up an open here rather than – I mean, because there's even – when you look at Pantoja, it's like there's even gas tank issues that are questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can't deny is the skill set that Pantoja brings to the table, beating Brandon Moreno twice, beating Brandon Royval recently, who stylistically reminds me a little bit of Alex Perez. Um, Manel Cape, unanimous decision. I know that was a gas out as well for Cape on Cape side, but but nonetheless, I mean, he's... he's Can I ask you a quick hypothetical? Yeah. Let's say Figgy's holding the belt and not fighting this weekend, and they're booking Moreno-Pantoja three. Where do you line that? So Moreno's not a, 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 a title. Moreno, Moreno minus 160. Thoughts? 
Okay. No, I, 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 I like it. I might have even gone more. I, I think that I would be betting Moreno really heavy in a trilogy fight if it was booked is all I'm trying to say. Okay. I, I don't hate that take. Definitely the favorite, even though he dropped the first two. Just different mm-hmm. Moreno. Just a totally different yep. Yeah, totally different Moreno. I mean, the, the first time was the ultimate fighter, and the second time was before Moreno got cut. It's right. a totally different Moreno. Right. Derek Lewis, Sergey Pavlovich. Jeez. What was that about? Sergey Pavlovich. Uh, minus 140 for Sergey, plus 120 for Derek Lewis. Yes, Derek Lewis is coming into this as the dog. Pavlovich opened as the dog at plus 115 and has seen steam to now being the favorite. Dan, I won't even lie here. I like Derek Lewis as the dog, but I still am not going to take it. And that's, yeah. I mean, like there's value here as the dog for Derek Lewis. I truly believe that. And I also believe that if the line, I mean, I'm sure the line's minus a trillion, but obviously the under's enticing. Um, I think there's going to be a slugfest. But I never bet these unders because everyone hammers them and you're just not getting value. And I don't know who's going to hit the button first. I think that this is going to be like a grab your beer, be very, very excited, enjoy the fight. You're going to be entertained. But you, I don't know how you can bet this other than Lewis. I, totally. It, it, to no, me, this is the epitome of heavyweight volatility. Um, I took a deep dive in my bet MMA tips page just for the past year, and less than 5% of my bets are on heavyweight. And it, it's just because there's so much volatility. There's there's so much variables. There's so many variables, sorry. Um, and, and this is the perfect example. You got an athlete who seems to have grappling chops, seems to have power, um, is half an inch under John Jones for the UFC record of, of lo- longest reach in the history of the sport over Steven Struve. It, it really seems like this guy, Sergey Pavlovic, has every tool in the world. That being said, Derek Lewis has otherworldly power. And it, I mean, I'm reminded of the Daukus fight where we looked at that around even line and we're just like, what? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm and I, into it. He was a dog. He closed as a remember, dog. I, dude, I tipped it as him being a dog, and you were shocked, and I was right, and it aged horribly. I, I liked Dawkins there. Here, here's the thing: if this fight was coming off a Dawkins fight, I don't even think we're having this conversation. I think that I think that that Lewis probably is the favorite here and stays. But the what's favorite. the line? If Tai Tuivasa is made of normal, like skin and bones instead dude, of titanium, 30, and goes down to those yeah, those shots on the yeah. fence, hear me out. It's thirty-seven year old Derek Lewis. Has he lost a little bit of power? Is that a crazy thing to say? I didn't think so until I saw Ty eat four clean shots. He's thirty-seven years old, and he's one and two in his last, or yeah, one and two in his last three. But is uh, he really that different from that Curtis Blades fight? Less no. than half a year ago? No, he's not. You're right. He's not. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird one. The, the, the power's there, but he's still an absolute silverback gorilla. Like, or the power might not be the same level, but he's still an absolute silverback gorilla. It's, I want to take both sides of this fight, and I think whoever wins is going to look minus 400. Minus, it's going to be a big performance for whoever wins this. Yep. yep. I tend to think... Not even I tend to think. My gut is telling me Derek Lewis. I, I, I'm, I'm being honest with you right now because yeah. 
the logic, the paper, the the tail of the tape says Sergey Pavlovic is the better athlete, the the more well-rounded fighter. But he's also probably going to get his head punched into the fifth row on Saturday night. Let's get to these belts. Because I don't disagree with the heavyweight volatility. I think you're probably right on Derek Lewis, but I can't bet either side. But the belts, we do have a lean on. And I'll give it to you, Danny, because we're 3-0 and in Lock of the Night Challenge. And although Danny and I uh, both were on Vulcan, Danny spearheaded that movement and, and really saw the forefront and has been leading this Lock of the Night Challenge. Dan, I'm going to give you the I'll, – I'll give you the first knock. Brendan Moreno is um, – fighting for the interim UFC flyweight title against Kai Cara France. Um, and the line is Brandon Moreno minus 210, Kai Cara France plus 180. Line opened at Brandon Moreno minus 160 and is steamed up. Yeah, I saw 190 the other day, and now I'm thinking I missed the 190. That's my fault. But this is going to be my biggest play of the night for sure. Whether or not we officially play it in our game is uh, yet to be seen. But I absolutely love Brandon Moreno in this spot. I cannot stress that enough. Um, I mean, we learned a lot from his trilogy with, with Figueredo. A couple of the things we learned, the grapplings there. I'm not, I'm not just talking about offensive, offensive wrestling. The scrambles, phenomenal. The chin might be unbeatable. I mean, Reese and I were chatting before the the we start we hit record and we're like, how does Kai Car France win this? And Reese said, Well, there's always the knockout. Brandon Moreno has, I want to say, never been knocked out, never been wobbled, never been stunned. The guy is made of absolute steel, and we're talking about three fights in a row versus Davis and Figueroa, who I think hits a fuck ton harder than Kai Car France. Obviously, the technical striking. Kaikar France is incredible and great Muay Thai, city kickboxing. Very much a gap in the wrestling grappling. But you know what? I don't even think Brandon Moreno is going to have to go to that well. If you look at the second fight that they had, Brandon Moreno, the confidence off the charts, coming into that third round, flexing at him, staring at him, giving him evil, evil eye. I don't think that that confidence was because Brandon Moreno was getting takedowns and it, it wasn't, it's not a think at this point, this is the past. It was because Brandon Moreno was outstriking Kai Kara France with his dirty boxing and with his head movement. He was just not there to be hit and Kai Kara France was getting frustrated. And, and I think that's going to happen again. I think Brandon Moreno is skilled enough to really make Kai Kara France look silly. I, that, that, that matchup wasn't that long ago. It was 2019. And December 2019. Yeah, I think Brandon Moreno. Right? No. One more time. I thought it was on that Ultimate Fighter, but 2019 doesn't seem like that was the season. No, the first one was Ultimate Fighter. The second one was Usman Covington, 245. That wasn't so long ago. It really wasn't. Usman Covington won. Mm. And I don't think that Kai Car France has grown leaps and bounds since then. His striking is probably better, but Brandon Moreno's striking has grown leaps and bounds. Since, I mean, his, his second stint, even the first figgy fight, that draw, his, his striking is way better. Like, it, it really is a spot where 
I could see a 350 number for Brandon Moreno, and that would I, I think I think I would stay away there. Just a correction too. This fight this weekend is number two. Didn't they fight? Oh no, Pantoja fought him. Ultimate Fighter. Yes, 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 yes. Pantoja fought him Ultimate Fighter and after. They only fought in 2019. That's why I was confused. We were just talking about that 2019 fight. If anything, Moreno's improved more. Yeah. At least stylistically. I won't say like striking versus striking, one's improved more than the other. But besides that defensive grappling that Kai Kara France showed against Askar Askarov, what have we really seen? Can can he actually grapple? And that was more to me as a big Asker Askarov fan. Asker really fumbling the bag, getting tired, shooting naked for takedowns that weren't set up, and, and Kai being like, Are you serious, dude? That's not Brandon Moreno's MO. It's just not gonna happen. Especially not with James Carlson in his corner. So you heard it here first. Brandon Moreno is gonna hopefully grab that interim belt and we'll see if it ends up making it into lock of the night. What do you think they say? What do you think Bruce says? And new, and again, and interim? What, like, what, what is the call? I have no idea. Probably new. I have no idea. It's interesting. Um, UFC Bantamweight champion belt is also on the line for, this, uh, for the women's Bantamweight division. The GOAT, undisputed GOAT, Amanda Nunes, is trying to get her belt back from none other than Juliana Pena. This also is the coach's fight for this season of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, whether people watch that still or not, I don't know. But that is just a little uh, ask, little little tidbit, side note. Can I ask you a question that doesn't matter? Always. If Nunes drops a second in a row to Pena, do you still consider her the GOAT or is Valentina? I do. I think she just retires oh. Cause okay, no, no, we don't want to talk about this. I, I was just curious. No, I agree. I, I just, I, I think that like, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, what she's done so far successfully is enough to make her the goat, and she beat Valentina. I know it's up for debate, but technically she beat Valentina. Um, and so until twice, yeah, yeah, it's just an over the hump type thing. But Amanda Nunes is minus two seventy five here against Juliana Pena, and from what I've been gauging from the MMA Twitter world and, and some various um, communities that, that that follow the sport religiously, it seems like people actually like Juliana Pena here at the plus 230 clip. I don't know what the fuck to make of this fight. I think I, I obviously want to be on Amanda Nunes. I just, she has a newborn kid. Um, she, I worry that she's checked out. And we talked about it from the very beginning uh, with the recap of Gustafson, if you're checked out, it's going to be a very, very long night for you. Um, so that's my only fear. That's my only fear. Because I think when you look at pure skill set, Amanda beats her everywhere. And I think she beat her everywhere the first time too. She just is a fool and gassed out and got caught and quit, quick tapped. Um, but I don't think Juliana Pena is more skilled in any facet of mixed martial arts, in my opinion. Um, it's really interesting and I don't disagree with you. Um, but the way that you say that Amanda is more skilled everywhere, I almost think Amanda hasn't won very many fights based on pure skill. I think a lot to do with her power and, um, but isn't that a skill? I, I, 
that that goes back to our whatever uh, pound for pound debate, and I don't that consider Francis power. Stuck balls. What I'll say is that what I'll say is that there's really two ways to view this fight, depending on who you're going to end up on on the side of, and it like in hindsight, the Amanda Nunes strategy that has worked for her for her entire career that has made her into the goat has a lot to do with pressure, offense, power, hurting people. Um, I mean, besides like Raquel Pennington, who she uh, like stopped in the fifth, I'm looking at the second Valentina fight where on my scorecard, she lost round three, four and five. She's always kind of had cardio problems, even going back to like Misha Tate. It really is a little bit interesting to see um, how much success she's had without the cardio problems rearing their ugly head of just like, if you stick around, this could get interesting. Like she really didn't look unbelievable versus GDR or versus Felicia Spencer. But she still unanimously beat GDR and GDR is a better striker than Juliana Pena. And then she's, oh, for inverted, sure. she's inverted triangle Megan Anderson at 145. But- but delve into those stats against GDR. Amanda Nunes took her down, what, six, seven times? Didn't pass guard, didn't go for any submissions, just kind of won the round. And it was like, cool, we're good. It, GDR is someone who offered back to me shouldn't be much of a of a pushback to a black belt like Amanda Nunes to pass a guard and, and at least work for an arm triangle. I don't know. In hindsight is what I'm saying. It wasn't crazy – surprising that someone i'm not saying juliana pena because it was crazy surprising that juliana pena was the girl that did this but it's not crazy that someone let amanda gas herself out and then let her throw haymakers and avoided them and all of a sudden there was a shell of a woman eight minutes into a five-round fight which is a, a big red flag and that's why i think you're seeing some people and some groups of people on, on MMA Twitter and whatnot on the Pena side. It's a it's a repeatable game plan. Just survive. Just You don't even have to win the first round. Just survive, piss her off, touch her up, have some output. And obviously that's easier said than done. It's Amanda fucking Nunes. You really think Amanda Nunes is going to gas twice in a row, though? No, because that, that's what I was going to get into, is, is there's that school of thought if you're on the Pena side. And then there's the school of thought that I tend to be more in I don't think Amanda Nunes took that fight seriously. I don't think she took the Megan Anderson fight seriously. I don't think she took the Felicia Spencer fight seriously. I think she's gotten to a point where even her, it's feeling like, oh, I can just walk in there and no one's going to stand in front of me for over five minutes because I'm going to punch him a couple times and they're just going to crumble. And when they don't, she doesn't really know what to do. Leaving an American top team is another slight red flag. I don't expect her to grow leaps and bounds training with Mina Nunez and her kid as her two main whatever like minds in in the gym it's just a little bit interesting that being said we're looking at a minus 1000 versus a minus 270 there's probably some crazy value on Amanda and whoever what whatever happens on Saturday night there's going to be crazy value on one of these sides it's a steep line and I don't expect it to be a close fight in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that you can convince yourself Pena's game plan is repeatable. I'm more along the side that Nunes, Nunes is pissed. 
Nunes wants this one back really bad, really wants to shut Juliana Pena up after having to deal with her during tough. You, you go back to that submission that really got it done. The rear naked choke, the hooks weren't in, the choke wasn't locked up. It, it, that's how gassed Amanda Nunes was. I don't see her putting herself in that position again. I think the value side is going to be with the favorite here, Amanda Nunes. I think we'll get an and new. Um, but man, am I just a little bit hesitant because of because we got burnt. We did. I'm, I don't. I don't want to hide that from our viewers. You and I, me and you, got burnt. Kobe yeah. was standing next to me that whole night. I had every parlay for that whole week, plus straight bets, plus whatever on Amanda Nunes. I could not believe it. When, when I could not believe it. I really couldn't. I'm laughing, Dan, because I put every parlay I've had this week with Amanda attached to it at this line, though. Yeah, it's a better line. And you know what? I think that come Sunday morning, the Pena era will be over. And we can all breathe a sigh of relief because she'll stop appearing in every fucking commercial and every media opportunity and, and Ariel will stop calling her and whatever. We can move on from the Juliana Pena era. But would I call it a guarantee? No. Interesting. I think I'll end up being on Pena, uh, not Pena, Nunez, night of, but I do think it's going to continue to steam. But we will see. Uh, stay tuned to Twitter as always at Angle Pick Podcast for official picks that we lock in. Ankle Lock will be posted there as well. Other socials are always a good opportunity to get a little bit more content as well. Country Club, anything else? We'll get plays out on socials. All right. I'll wrap us up just because I haven't said it in a while. Do it. Poa! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.